What a long emphasis on long, strange trip it's been here on the Owls Americast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and as we say Aloha Wednesday, I am drinking an Aloha Friday, which is an unfiltered pineapple cider from Down East Cider Company in Baston, Massachusetts. It's quite nice. I drink a lot of the uh, Austin, uh, I forget what it is, Austin East Ciders or whatever, East Austin Cidery pineapple, but I actually like this a little more. Mm. It's like a pleasantly tart. Much like the Wednesday season, to continue this needless metaphor. It is our season wrap-up episode, and I am joined, of course, in New Jersey by Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, I have, uh, I'm down to my last dregs of alcohol. So I, uh, in this new phase where you can't um, go to bars anymore, I find myself going to um, picnics and parks a lot and taking my own cans of beer. So I've completely got rid of all my cans of beer over the last few weeks. I, so I have a uh, large bottle of uh, Captain Morgan's that, that does look like the full 1.75 liter bottle. It is, but not much left in it. No, and there is not. Diet Coke, so. Rum and Coke. Out in Cascadia, it's Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Hey, guys. Nice to be here. I am doing the most Oregon thing I could possibly do. I filled up a growler this weekend at Bella Organic Farms, and it is a, no surprise, a cider. It's a rhubarb watermelon cider. Ooh, that sounds uh, good. It is very good. We've had the two hottest days of the year uh, in Portland, and this is just perfect remedy for that. So got the whole growler going, and we'll see how much I need for the season. <laughs> this is episode 101. We start our second century no cake ball to be found. But we will review, sort of, the 5-3 loss to Fulham and the 2-1 loss to Burrow. There'll be Wednesday news and transfer speculation because it is ITK season already for the six weeks we have before the next one starts in whatever league they might be in. We have a chat with the voice of iFollow, Rob O'Neill, making a return to the show. And we will have a general end-of-season wrap-up with... Uh, one of us, I won't say who, it's obviously not me or Patty because neither of us do any research, did go back and look at our preseason predictions. So we will actually review them this year. I plan to do it last year for last year's preseason predictions. That never actually happened. But we will start with our Fulham and Burrow match reviews. I guess this is 180 and 180. I will put in as much effort to this segment as Wednesday put into these two games. All right, moving on to the talking points. Patty, you want to talk about Eddie Nuhi's 50th goal? Why not? I mean, against, with two losses to review, I'd rather focus on something positive, right? And the impact that Atty's had off the bench uh, over the last six, seven years he's been at the club. 2013, uh, so yeah. He's, it's been fantastic, right? And I want to celebrate. I'm really happy he got 50 goals. Nice, obviously, round number. Uh, and it clearly was his second to last game uh, for Fulham. And he almost brought us back into it. Um, it was a much better second half showing from Wednesday, that game, than uh, the capitulation in the first half. But we even started off brightly in the first half too. We made three changes in the half. I think Murphy and Atty came on and uh, Cameron else came on. But um, yeah, it was just overall the impact that Atty knew he makes uh, off the bench for Wednesday over the last seven years is going to be missed. Uh, I said on Twitter, it's okay to be sad he's leaving 
and also happy he's leaving. Uh, and I'm standing by that because I think he's given us a lot of good memories. Uh, I mean, when someone scores a lot in the last 10 minutes of a game, it's either the, it's going to give you some good feelings towards he's that guy. He scored right? a lot of big goals for the club. Yeah, I mean, as much as you can have big goals for a team that's been mired in the championship for seven years. But, you know, you think back to that <laughs> first goal against Man City in the FA Cup, the late goals against Watford and was it Middlesbrough or Burnmouth when they came back from like, oh, it was Blackburn they came back from 3-1 down or something. He scored two in the last 10 minutes. Uh, he regularly tortured Rotherham, obviously. The snowy leads go all the way. The snowy leads goal, go. yep. He had the game against Luton that set up the uh, Chelsea match in the uh, FA Cup. Yep. So. The yeah. hat trick on the last day of the season. Of course, taking past the whole Preston defense and killing top left and corner. Yep. Uh, the first even... goal he scored against QPR, we thought we all had like a secret superstar. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is you think about all the 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 players like Lucas Schwao and hate to say it, sorry, Patty, but Jordan Rhodes who who come and go, and we all have this fictitious highlight reel of them at their best, Forestieri. But we literally do have a highlight reel of Atinuyu of him doing big goals in whatever we call big games and again never going to get the attention the uh, recognition he deserves but um you know as, as much as we use to throw the word servant around i think he's uh he's been a good one for us at his finish strongly his career wednesday and i, I said that kind of like hesitantly because i feel like there's less critics of him this year than there have been over the last two years maybe or three years where long he's been at Wednesday really um, I feel like he's slowly worn down the critics to accept what he is and what he's not um, and I feel like the majority of Wednesday fans now are accepting that he was a good servant to Sheffield Wednesday he, he always tried his best even though it's hard to tell if that was the case or not we'll uh, start worse strikers in the future that'll make us uh all dewy-eyed for memories of Eddie Newhue, I'm sure. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. But yeah, he's always... I, I guess it's like a bit of an expectations game to a certain extent, too. I mean, we got him on a free transfer from Rapid VN or whatever. It's like a 24-year-old. I think he's in his early 30s now. And I think he always earned the playing time that he got when he got it. I think he earned all the subsequent deals. It was pointed out on Twitter that he's a better goals per minutes record than Marcus Tudgay, who I think is regarded in a very different light than knew he was for a certain, uh, for a similar period in club history. Again, kind of mostly mired in the championship. And Tudgay also, of course, scored some big goals. There's the the famous one in in the Derby and some others as well. And yeah, it, it can just be, it was probably time. I would not have complained if they brought him back for another year. I think he can probably still do a job similar to what he what he did this year. But it's perfectly reasonable to move on. I think from his point of view, he might be looking, have an eye towards, you know, more regular playing time. I think he certainly has aspirations nationally with the Kosovo in the uh, European playoff finals or the, for the spot in the 20, well, not 2021 Euros. But you know, he is probably their second choice striker now. He wants to stay in that squad and be around, you know, a starting role for that team, especially if they make Euros. So I think going to a place, I don't know where it's going to be. I assume he has something lined up already uh, somewhere in, in mainland Europe where he can play regularly and, and stay fast fit and maybe, you know, catch the eye of the manager to get a little more playing time there at this point in his career. That's a perfectly reasonable goal. Do you think most uh, Wednesday fans will be following his career? I think 
I, I certainly will. It's hard to. He's going to be like he. He is going to be like I have the. I own the. Uh, Pete McKee T-shirt. It's like cult history, cult heroes of Wednesday history, and he's on it. And I think he is going to in you know ten years from now, he's going to have that kind of like mystique about him. Because again, we've seen way worse since then as Sheffield Wednesday fans. <laughs> so we will reminisce nostalgically for the halcyon days of Eddie Newhue heading them in against uh like nice. yeah I, whoever, I wanted to yeah. just bring yeah I just wanted to obviously two miserable losses uh, I just and talking point wise <clears throat> there's been a couple of highlights I think over the last two games but um, I think Asi obviously signing off with 50 goals is a is a worthy one to mention in our season wrap up yeah you also had a note about the new defense and i do want to talk a little bit about now that we've seen three at the back for the majority of the restart you know i don't think it's the worst idea in the world in so much as we need a better center back trio but i have kind of been impressed by murphy and harris especially in more of a wing back deeper lying role like both have looked pretty good defensively you know harris still a little bit one-dimensional in attack, but he does add that work rate in defense that I think makes him a better fit for maybe for a wing back than more of an attacking sort of left wing or, you know, pushing up further in the pitch in like a, in a front three or something like that. It's just, they're still prone to mistakes. You can see it in that second goal, especially against Middlesbrough or the back three just really couldn't get organized to cover. There's needs to be a better defensive midfielder than Joey Pelopesi um, if you're going to play like that, which they don't have. But, Patty, what are your sort of thoughts on the defense going forward? I think we need two new centre-halves if we're going to play that. Um, <clears throat> or, that or they need to learn how to be disciplined and w- where to go when... Because we've been caught so often with the ball over the top. Um, so whereas Harris and Murphy do give us a great, I feel like, work rate on the floor they're very susceptible to be lobbed over and found the back three stretched. Uh, we've conceded a lot of goals that way in the last few uh, last few games. Uh, so for me, the back three need to know when to come and cover their wing backs. Uh, I feel like a burner gets lost a little uh, more in the back three. Lees is too static. He's had a couple of good games, a couple of bad games in this uh, return to uh, post-lockdown. So for me, I'd look to be... If we're going to stick with three five two or five three two, how you want to call it, um, we need to get two new centre halves. Um, and I would, sorry, go. On. I was going to say, well, you mentioned personnel. Is this personnel or is this discipline right now that's causing that's making this iffy? Do you think this is what Gary Monk wants to do, or do you think this is what he's making the best of what he's got right now? And this is this is the big picture question that we'll talk about at the end for <laughs> the offices. I mean, he's starting three center backs consistently and, and rolling in like Odebajo and Liam Palmer in there who are not remotely center backs by trade. So I don't know. It's like, ideally I don't see any reason why they can't play four, four, two with Harrison Murphy as wings or a four, three, three or something like that. If you want to push them a little further up the field, there's no particular reason they need to start three center backs. I mean, if you absolutely want to get Lee's Borner and Iorfa in the lineup because you think they are top of the table championship quality defenders, which 
Uh, jury's still out on all three of them, I think, but they've certainly all, all shown flashes of that in the past. You know, there's no reason Iorfa can't play at fullback. There's no reason that you can't figure out a better way to, to organize them. I just, I don't think it was completely necessary. You're playing whatever it was, nine games in like three weeks. You can certainly rotate them because try and keep fresh legs there too as well. I just, I don't have a problem with, with three at the back, but it never seemed like it quite came off the way. Did we even keep a clean sheet? I think we kept one. Keep one clean sheet. There's nil-nil. Two. Yeah, two. All right. QPR and Huddersfield. So it, it made the results are the results. And, you know, we conceded five <laughs> against Fulham, who are a very good attacking side, obviously, but there were some bad goals in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like uh, Ayafa and Burner are better as a back two. Yeah. And we looked pretty good in a four, in back four with those two at centre half. But we can't play back four because we haven't got a left back right now. That's um, <laughs> a <laughs> simple implication. Yeah, so it might it might literally be a, a matter of you know trying to get a square peg into a round hole in terms of the defensive personnel once Morgan Fox left. As weird as that is to say out loud. <laughs> We'll stick with the defense because, Mike, you want to talk about the Wednesday goalkeeping situation? Uh, the reason I bring up goalkeeping is that I just don't think we have talked about it much uh, in the last uh, few years. Uh, we've always talked about, you know, we, years ago we had a plethora of strikers and then we had these three solid goalkeepers. And since then, I don't think we've ever really discussed what's going on with the keepers. Uh, we, we were always, there were debates about which who's better, Wildsmith, Westwood, or... Um, uh, Cam Dawson. And then just recently, uh, Don Housen had the article saying that Gary Monk was pleased with the levels of competition and he wanted um, Dawson and Wilds, Joe Wildsmith to really fight for their the number one slot. Um, I think since the break, and again, going back to these last few games, I thought I hate to pick on goalkeepers. And as a parent, there's nothing more terrifying than seeing your kid play goal. That's why I hate to pick on goalkeepers. But when you see, but you know, some of these, you know, I want to say the first goal against Fulham was questionable. Uh, a couple of the uh, goals versus Fulham were, were kind of questionable. Um, penalty kick was all right. And then, um, again, this the surge of late goals. Again, I, and a lot of it has to do with the defense. A lot of it is self-inflicted wounds from the back lines. And I just, I don't know if we're really set there. And maybe we're missing leadership from the goalkeeper that they can provide too because we're look we're really focusing on two um but i think they're both 24 25 year olds um so i do think there, that there are some gaps there that we're really not paying attention to it was interesting that i mean i know we're not there for training and whatnot but westwood had been pretty much the clear first choice goalkeeper i forget which game it was where he went off in a huff um shortly after the Christmas period and was placed, basically replaced by Dawson after that. And then for like no particular reason, when the restart happened, Wildsmith was the first choice keeper. So, I mean, I'm sure maybe he looked better in training. Maybe Dawson is carrying a little bit of a knock or something. We might never know the the full story there. I mean, look at the three keepers because, well, I expect Westwood to move on in some capacity in the window. They are still all under contract for next season it's tough to find like the complete championship level keeper there. Uh, Westwood is still the closest to that. And 
you can certainly make an argument that if we have promotion aspirations, he can still do that job. The, the main knocks on him have always been fitness, especially the last couple of years, and his distribution isn't great. You know, you can, he's a great shot stopper. I think he marshals the defense by far the best of the three. It's commanding presence. It's a presence that maybe isn't always beloved in that locker room at this point, and clearly not by uh, this manager or uh, some of the recent managers. Dawson, I think, is every bit his equal as a shot stopper. He never really, he's got like, he'll flap at a ball every once in a while. He doesn't marshal the back line the way you'd like. Um, you know, he was playing out of, out from the back with his feet a lot and didn't always look great. I don't know if that's the way we want to play. You know, Wild Smith has been a good shot stopper in the past. I think his distribution is the best of the three. But he's had a couple goals, like like you said, Mike, where the two that jump out to me are the goal against Man City um, in the Cup this year, and then the goal against Burrow at the... And, like, he got left out to dry there, but he did get a glove to it, and he did not sort of emphatically get either of those shots outside the goal frame, and they kind of spun in. You know, it, that's small sample size. I don't know what this looks like going forward but is it worth it again we don't know what the league situation is or the transfer situation is going to be for the team going forward but is it worth it to start looking for maybe a proven championship level keeper to marshal the the defense and run the back line for next year i guess that's my my question is is are they good enough and are there in number of more priorities that we need to fill before we look at goalkeeper. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Like, I don't think it's Cameron not, Dawson is, is the problem here. Is there really an opportunity to improve the team, the squad that much by reinvesting in goalkeeping? I and I I, I think I've just talked myself out of it. I think maybe we're okay. <laughs> I think we're okay where we are, but I, I, this notion that Monk is happy with the maybe that was just stuff he put out in the press to motivate them, but. Um, yeah, um, I think they're both very average, both Dawson and uh, Wilson. And they're still young by goalkeeper standards. There's like, you know, there's tools there. You can see them developing into good all-around goalkeepers in the next three or four years. But neither of them have really gotten a sustained run in the team either. True. Yeah. I mean, Dawson's I, had a decent, decent one this season. He has, and he did last year to a certain extent. But I'm like... For these guys, it might take, you know, two years of being a starter to really feel comfortable in that number one shirt and marshalling the back line, given their relative age. You know, we're not, not talking about, like, Donnarumma here. Like, <laughs> it's not a, not that level of goalkeeper. There is some, uh, there's a learning curve. I will stick with the younger players and talk about the youth culture, because we've seen some players blooded through in recent days, uh, recent games, Liam Shaw and... Alex Hunt, most notably, it does sound Shoei. like. Give me his oh. full name, please. It's Shawy. Shaw, sorry, Shawy. Yeah, Shoei. Liam. Liam Shawy Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex Hunt. Matt Penny will be coming back to the club next year and is under contract. I, I I guess we've talked a little bit on the show over the years about how sort of little top end talent the team has sort of gotten through the academy in the last 20 years i mean outside of maybe george hurst who is second striker for lester now but uh 
sort of do we see any of these players maybe paying dividends in 2020, 2021? There's something I was way more impressed with Shoei. Uh, <laughs> I know we've all seen a very, a very small sample size again there than I was with uh, Alex Hunt. I think he's got the frame of a championship footballer already. He's a bigger guy. Uh, he was scrappy. Uh, he seemed to be a little bit more assured um, about positioning as well. Uh, Hunt's definitely got great feet and a good pass of the ball, uh, but he did seem to be like running around like a headless chicken a lot of the time. And he still... did try to do a little too much, I think, when he was sort of moved into a starting role. Like he tried to be Barry Bannon, and he's yeah. just not there yet. And he's still got the frame of a twelve-year-old girl too. So, <laughs> uh, Shoei at least got some kind of shoulders to him. He's about six foot two at least, uh, and obviously got top bands as well. Shoei. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... All right, that's all. I think that's all we need to spend on talking points from these two games, really. So move on to some Wednesday news. Uh, the first bit of news is as broken on Barry Bannon's Instagram page and mentioned already on the show. It's probably the last game for Eddie Newhue in a Wednesday shirt. The Loney players have officially returned to their home clubs as well. And we saw the last game, perhaps, certainly of his contract, for Kieran Lee, who has actually been here longer than any knew he. So, gentlemen, will we see any of them back in blue and white stripes? Sorry, blue camo and white stripes next year. Uh, well, I was going to say Loney's. Um, I'd love to see Murphy back. He feels like the obvious one. Yeah, that's. I mean, that to me is the the, the obvious one. Um There's just that both, I think Kieran Lee feels like there's something unfinished there, but I wouldn't, I would be okay letting it go. I would, like, I'm obviously a huge Kieran Lee stand, but I think he can still kind of do a job as long as they monitor his playing time closely. Like, he looked pretty good in the restart. Like, he looks a little healthier. He doesn't quite have that sort of Kieran Lee box to box burst he had five years ago, but we're all five years older and a little bit slower. And, have bad lower halves for the most part. I think it affects Kieran Lee more than it does the rest of us in our day-to-day lives. <laughs> but I think he's still a, a useful championship player. So if, you know, if the money's right, um, you know, he's obviously settled here. He's been here, as I said, I think outside of Liam Palmer, he's the longest tenured Wednesday player. I have no problem bringing Kieran Lee back, especially given the general lack of midfield depth, as long as we don't count on him to be that, you know, Wembley season Kieran Lee. I'd, I'd probably bring him back to, uh, based on his last five or six games, only for squad depth. I mean, if we're keeping Joe Pelipesi around for squad depth, <laughs> then God Almighty, let's keep Kieran Lee around too. He'd be a killer League One player too if we ended up back there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as for the rest of Loney's, I think I'd only like to see Murphy back. I think De Cruz definitely improved, whether it's worth another gamble, maybe another half-season loan. I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't grumble too much, depending on how we're doing the loan market. Windass has shown flashes, but it looks a little bit kind of, uh, I don't know, he's, he's, I, like his, I like his movement. He offers something like, a little different than the rest of our attacking players, which I think he, is useful. He does, but he doesn't, he's, he's a bit wild with his finishes, doesn't he? He seems to stick yeah. his uh, shots a little bit too early, snatches it sometimes. He's to calm down a bit. I think there's potential there for Josh Windass. Um, but still, can we get better? Probably. Um, I wouldn't bring Wickham back, if I'm honest with you. I'd be really surprised if... Um, 
if if he comes back. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm not. Uh, Jacob Murphy's the number one, yeah, my, my number one target for the rest of this, rest of this off season. Other than that, the rest of the off season will be spent waiting with bated breath to hear from the EFL about what, if any, points deduction Wednesday are getting because it is. Let me check my calendar. I don't even know what day of the week it is. Mostly July twenty seventh. Season has been over for five days. Wednesday anchored with a fifty. I don't even know where they are on the table. Fifteenth, fourteenth, wherever they were. Um, as Jose Mourinho says, the table does lie. And the table might still be a lie because we still have yet to hear from the EFL in regards to Wednesday and Darby's point deduction. I believe Wigan is still appealing. So here we are. You know what's annoys me most about this is that um you can have an end of season that would have been uh it could be a, a, this game for us could have been a must win game yeah but we didn't know and when we scored we sure didn't last, act like it <laughs> yeah i didn't know about it and certainly that last goal could have been a killer blow if we'd have won that game we'd have i think 11 points or 10 points and say the um so 10 points adrift of the relegation zone and to say we needed a nine. If nine points was the minimum deduction we were, we were going to get, and we went down to eight points with a loss, that could have been a vital blow. But it's all ifs and cuts and buts and stuff no, like that because we don't know. To be honest, when it, when it was three and nil to Fulham, I thought the players must know that there's no points deduction. <laughs> you say that like you haven't watched the rest of the season, Mike. <laughs> I mean, they were down 0-3 at halftime. That they either know that there's no deduction or they know it's 21 points. <laughs> <laughs> it's no point trying. They couldn't yet. just be capitulating against a good team. <laughs> it, there was, I mean, that really bugged me about those last two games, but that, that there was no fire. Like these game, these points matter. Um, <sighs> It, I mean, there's that point where you know, I read the 538 website and there's a point where it has the percentages that you're going to get relegated, or the percentages you're going to get the playoffs. And there's that point where the teams start getting dashes all across the board, which means you're you're safe. You're, you're going to be back next year. And we were there for a few weeks. Um, and But I don't think we ever we never were. We should have been. Uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, that's my that's my big contention with uh, with Monk this year is that they really didn't keep the fire for those last three or four games. The EFL has been able to at least confirm a start date for the new season. It'll be the week of September 12th. So we got uh, seven, six, seven weeks before we have to start doing this again. <laughs> it's absolutely that, thrilling. That's not a lot of time. So we've got to build an entire squad, essentially. And you got people on Twitter after the loss against Mills were saying, let's sack Monk now and get a new manager in. It's six weeks. Like, I mean, I... <laughs> no. I yeah. Know. I mean, if we get a new manager in now, we are, everyone on that squad is back at like square one again, and they're all being evaluated again for how good or bad they are. At least Monk knows that half that squad's <laughs> trash. So there's also, again, I don't want to go back to the whole points deduction, but there's still a... You know, I, we want to believe that this independent council is working in a vacuum and not caring about seasons and, and whatnot. But there is a playoff final coming up where there still is a team that's not sure which where they're going to be. What's to stop the league from, you know, implementing a points deduction up until that point? And so that goes back to the, why are we going to replace the manager? And are you going to get someone and tell them, well, we don't know where we're going to be next year and we don't know what you're, and you got to start recruiting 
We don't know if we're going to have a transfer ban. <laughs> right. I mean, we clearly don't have a transfer ban because apparently we we're very close to signing uh, the Man City guy. The, uh, oh God, where's his name now? I've quite several times already. Delhi Bashiru. Bashiru. Yeah. Yeah. Pisayo Delhi Bashiru. That apparently is almost done. And and it's not, he's under contract to Man City too. So we must yeah. be paying some money for it. Well, there's no FFP next year. So <laughs> <laughs> just flash some of my cash. I don't understand it all. Yeah. I, I, all the signs are pointing to we've got away with it. I, I mean, I don't. As a Wednesday fan, Patty, I cannot possibly believe that something good would happen. So, I will reserve judgment, and then watch us start next season with a twenty-one point deduction or something. <laughs> but until then, we have to vote on Player of the Year, which I think closed Monday, and I forgot to do. Oh, it's today. I, I think I can still vote on it. Well, maybe it's, no, it's, it's been awarded it already. I don't know. Or is it? Or is it? Check the notes. I, I don't know. That, that was that was a statement. It wasn't a question whether Dominic Arfa got okay. it. Okay. I mean, I would have voted for Arfa, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Definitely got it. You can make a I case mean, for Murphy, know. but I would have voted for Arfa. I wonder if Arfa um, got it over Murphy because he's our player and not Aloni. I think that's... I think... I mean, we've had war to Aloni's in recent years. I think, well, um, the guy that we just had last played against last week at Fulham. Um, Josh Anama. <laughs> who scored a very a nice goal in the uh playoff semi today michael hector <laughs> josh and uh, i wasn't getting any awards last year <laughs> but michael hector was so yes they would give a troll on you this year and, and i think murphy probably would have been a good choice too but i think i definitely is a, a good choice it is kind of funny that our defense has been terrible the last two years, and we've given both awards to some defenders. Because they're the ones trying out of all the defense. In a major upset, folks, <laughs> roughly three days after the season ended, Wednesday actually had the kits for next year out. I mean, it might have something to do with the season ended two months later than it Yeah, they might have. That would have been right in time for Owls at the Park, probably. Do we have any hot um, takes at the camo-inspired Sheffield Wednesday kits? My first, my first glance at that kit, and then still to this day, I feel like it's that away kit is fantastic. I love it. But when, <sighs> no. I, when I posted that on uh, Instagram and Facebook, thinking everyone else thought the same as me, everyone fucking hated it. <laughs> it just looks really. I don't know. It looked better when I saw like the photo of the actual kit, like not like the rendering. It's okay. It's just very gray. Like is just, it gray or is it green? I don't understand it. Yeah, it's like a weird mind trick. I, I guess is this like the is it blue? Is this like the dress thing all over again? Yeah. <laughs> I, I looked white, at it the yeah. first time. I thought it was green, and then I thought it was gray, and then I thought it was brown. And so I really I don't know. And it, I my concern is that I I love this year's away kits, the the bright green that just popped. Yeah, and it's just such a contrast to that, and it's just going to look dull um, on a field. So. So one of the people in New York Owls WhatsApp group made the point that it's like it doesn't look like a soccer kit. So you can like wear it around, and it just looks like you're going. You're a UFC fighter going. I mean, this is me saying you're like you're a UFC fighter going to the club, basically. Like it just needs a tap out logo on it. Like I don't have a huge problem <laughs> with it, but I mean, for me, I like to wear soccer kits that are garish and look like soccer kits that's the whole point of doing it like who would wear a friggin yellow and black striped 
polyester <laughs> polo shirt out and about. I mean, this makes for a great podcast, but look at the, the shirt that Patty's wearing right now. And it's like, yeah, Patty's wearing a gray t-shirt. Like, <laughs> probably just mowed the grass and he's going out tonight. And that's, it's not that far. I mean, they, the, they toned down the, uh, the crest. Yeah. The, I don't mind the home kit. I like the sort of little button collar, the, like the little pattern inside the blue, which I guess is technically camo, you know, looks more or less fine. It's perfectly... You know, I don't think it looks all that different from this year's kit, which I thought was okay as well. You know, it's blue and white stripes. So you I just wish they got the marketing though. The marketing yeah. was stand out and yes, they had the, a cam- uh... <laughs> camouflage away kit. <laughs> stand out in the camouflage away kit. Yes. Um, I don't again, I don't know if this was in WhatsApp or on Twitter. I saw someone make the joke we can't pass to each other as it is now. Why are we putting ourselves in camo? I wasn't a huge fan of the green one actually when they first announced it, but then I saw it up close and I liked it a lot. And then I grabbed it when it was on sale a couple of weeks ago. So I'm so waiting for it to ship here because never liked it. Yeah. I really like this year's home kit. But I didn't like the um, the green kit at all. No, I like it. it's something different at least. Like I know it's always like yellow and blue or yellow and black and do something a little uh, a little more standoutish. That isn't camo, which does not stand out by definition. <laughs> so end the Wednesday news segment as we head into the transfer window with a simple question. What business do you want to see us do? I can go first. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I think we need two new center halves. Uh, we clearly need a left back or two. Um I think we need uh, a strong centre midfielder, which is like we might be getting in that Delhi Bashiru. Uh, we need about two or three strikers. <laughs> is, anyone, is anyone counting how many players we got so far? It's a good, only, it's a good eight to nine like, players. We only have like eighteen under contract for next year or something. So I think we need at least eight to nine players. Um, but obviously, and I keep forgetting about strikers. Fucking hell. Uh, yeah, we need at least two or three strikers. I mean, it's literally just Rhodes, so. What a shit show. Who might be We've on got... the move to Norwich? It's going to be a busy six weeks, right? It's not an off-season as much as anything else. And they're reporting into training in three weeks' time, too, apparently. So to get anyone up to speed on our tactics and strategy, you need to start buying players fast. Yeah, so we have very compressed transfer window. This podcast, however, has not been compressed in the slightest. So we'll take a short break. We come back, we'll chat with Rob O'Neill, who will have some more end-of-season thoughts. Another Wednesday season in the books, only a few months later than expected. And to recap the 2019-2020 season and look forward to... Another Wednesday season, probably in six to 12 weeks in the championship or possibly League One. We don't know yet. There could be no one better than making a return appearance on the podcast. It's Rob O'Neill. Rob, how's it going? I'm all right. Thank you. Uh, so we're kind of glad that season's kind of finished now, aren't we? It, it both felt wa- felt like and was, I think, the longest season in Sheffield Wednesday history. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't normally expect it to finish in uh, in July, and obviously we know the reasons for that. But I mean, it's 
it's amazing. You know, this time last year, you know, we were all looking forward, I think, with optimism, uh, optimism, I should say. You know, Steve Bruce was there and he'd made some changes. He'd got a track record. And then I think about now we were just learning that he was he was on his bike and going to Newcastle. So that kind of disrupted us. So it, it's amazing to think what's changed in a year. So another was it, was it about now that I was tweeting saying that Steve Bruce will never leave us? <laughs> Possibly so, yeah, exactly. I know it's uh, you're thinking surely he's gonna see this through, he's gonna see this through, but obviously the low in the end to Newcastle and the Premier League was too much. Yeah. So another mid table finish, at least for now. Um what were the positives you took away from this season? I guess we'll start with the good. Uh, I think it, the positives were up to about 90th minute at uh, Stoke City on Boxing Day. <laughs> and from there on in, it all seemed to fall apart. I think I said that yesterday that, you know, you think about those two goals we conceded. You know, we've gone from a winning position to losing the match. And it's just uh, amazing to think we were third at that point. You know, maybe punching above our weight. I think people always felt that perhaps we weren't going to stay up there. But it, it wasn't, I don't think it was the greatest of leagues. I think there was teams that we played that you just thought why have we not won that game and um, certainly in the early part of the season there was a lot of promise wasn't there Kadeem Harris started the season off really well you know, Jacob Murphy came in and certainly by the end of it I mean he was a real uh, you know live wire for us scoring goals and you know did very well for the Owls sort of in the wide positions you know so there was a lot of positives at the start you know Dominic Iorfa you know he was playing at centre-back and you know he looked really impressive at full-back but at centre-back he looked like that was going to be a uh, his position, you know, to to replace, I suppose, Hector, who had been the, the key man the year before, and he looked like he was going to fill that void. But it's, it's it's hard to kind of put your finger on, you know, where it's all gone wrong because, you know, it, it was all looking very positive until, I'd say, that, that just before the turn of the year. Yeah, to that, uh, Wednesday finished, I saw a stat that Wednesday dropped 18 points after the 85th minute and finished 14 mm-hmm. points out of the playoffs, so... You know, if you just clean up that a little bit, the season looks completely differently. But by the same token, that's, you know, that's really the story of the season is dropping points late in games. Yeah, and Gary Monk said the same thing, hasn't he? That, you know, they've had these lapses in concentration and it's happened not once, you know, double figures. It's happened far too often. And it's hard, I guess, to try and explain why, you know, good players, you know, just switching off for whatever reason. You know, the other night they gifted... Certainly, they gifted the first goal by giving it away on the halfway line. And then the second, again, that they've allowed them to get in behind them in the 90th, what was it, 92nd minute, whatever it was. I mean, at that stage, in that game against Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough weren't even interested, were they, in, in actually going for the win in the second half? They were quite happy with the draw. Rob, you get, you get quite close to the players, obviously, being at uh, Hillsborough and stuff. Have you noticed anything like, oh, close and personal as far as attitude goes? And is it just a, a lack of confidence that brings these mistakes in defence? Or what, have you noticed anything that we haven't seen necessarily on the camera? I don't know. I think confidence plays a big part in football. Like I say, in this division, I don't think there's an awful lot. You know, you look at West Brom, and I know they have a bit of a wobble at the back end of the season, but I thought that they had a powerful side all over the pitch. So you look at them and you thought physically that they're on a different different planet. Um Brentford, you know, in terms of football that they played, you know, they they played us off the park, certainly at Brentford. But a lot of the teams, you know, we're in most games. You know, it's really weird and it's hard to put your finger on, you know, why we've fallen away so much. Because I don't think there's an awful lot between the sides. I mean, look at someone like, you know, Millwall. Um, they were sort of in the lower reaches, went on a great run. Even Cardiff, you know, turned it around. He'll want it left and 
obviously the former Millwall manager went in there, Neil Harrison. You know, he lifted them right up there into the into the playoffs. So it, it, it's really it's really weird. I mean, just take Wigan who have gone down. Obviously, we know the circumstances why, but the form that they've been in, you know, uh, obviously before the lockdown and, and since, you know, their form has been you know top 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 three material. So it's it's really all why things happen. I mean, I don't know. It's it's possibly I, I look at the team and. I think what we we lack, and I thought Steve Bruce was on the right path in the sense that, you know, we talked about Dominic Iorfa, you also got Kadeem Harrison, and uh, I don't know whether he had much say in the Jacob Murphy signing, but certainly that was just after he had, he'd gone. But we were trying to get more athletic players, and I think that's what we needed. Wednesday were a bit pedestrian, and I still think we are. I thought that was the one thing about the other night's game, or it was yesterday, um, with, with Shaw coming in. You know, he was youthful, he was energetic, he, you know, he was really willing Possibly maybe ran into areas and perhaps I think ran his race a little bit too soon because he was a bit of a novice at this level. But I think maybe we need to re-energise the midfield. I think we need to get some some legs in there and get up and down the pitch a bit more. I think that's what we need. I think that's what we're lacking. Yeah, I'd like you to maybe continue to talk about some other stuff that you'd like to see in the off-season, obviously midfield and, um, and some athleticism there. But, you know, in an ideal world, let's say let's say no points deduction, which seems unlikely at this point, but at this point it's only speculation. So let's go. No points deduction. We're going to go into to 2020, 2021 and with a fresh start. Uh, what do you want to see? What kind of changes do you want to see in the club in the offseason? Well, I think some of the changes have already started. Obviously, we've, we've moved some you know, senior players on. Sam Hutchinson, you know, he's already departed. It looks like uh, Atty Nui was on his way, judging by the comments that we saw from Barry Bannon prior to the game against Middlesbrough. Uh, and that leaves us just with Jordan Rhodes. So clearly up front, we're going to need to strengthen there. Um, I think we needed to strengthen anyway. Stephen Fletcher was actually our best forward this season, I think, by uh, a long way. I mean, when Fletcher played that, you know, you asked us earlier about where did it fall apart? Where did it kind of turn around? And, and it clearly was Stephen Fletcher getting injured against Swansea in the FA Cup, that that was a real pivotal point for Wednesday because without Fletcher, we didn't look the same side because what would happen is the ball would go up the front, Fletcher would make it stick and then we could build off there. But once he wasn't in the side, we were inconsistent. I don't think Conor Wickham produced it consistently for Wednesday. I think we saw a couple of games after lockdown where it looked like he'd gone back to the, the Conor Wickham we remember from the two previous loan spells. But by and large, he, he didn't quite hit the heights. Obviously, Atty Nui, he's been here a long time. He scored some important goals this season and in the years gone by, but he was better and more effective off the bench. So I think we've had problems. You know, Jordan Rhodes hasn't scored the goals that we all hoped and expected him to do. I think you keep thinking he's going to do it this time, this chance, you know, and it just hasn't happened. Even Gary Monk in the last few games has, has not turned to him, even off the bench. So, you know, it, it's definitely a position he's going to have to strengthen. He's played De Cruz up there. He's played Windass both loan players, which again are not our players, so they've departed. So he's going to have to get something fresh. And, you know, where where do you look? And, it, you know, that, that question you asked is, what division are we in? And that's going to be the problem that Gary Monk's going to have at the moment. Because of the uncertainty, we can try and ignore it. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm none the wiser to, to what the ruling is going to be. But it must be really hard. He must have a, a sort of plan A, a plan B, and probably a plan C for different eventualities because, if you stay in the championship, then obviously you want to go and try and push for the Premier League. If there's any kind of points deduction, I guess if you're a potential player joining the club, you'll be thinking, 
do I fancy a, a relegation scrap and and whatever? It might not be a season of, of promotion promise, so that you'd go maybe down the road. And again, plan C would be if you're in the the League One, then you're going to have to you know go after a different type of player again. Um, Rob, did any of the loan players you think you want back next year? Um, I was looking, I was thinking about like out of all of them, I felt they all had a better end to the season than when they started. Like you said, Wickham had a couple of good games, the Cruz I thought felt better too. Um, some of them are more achievable than others to like either get back on loan and or even sign permanently. What, what would you use? Uh, would you like, would you like to see any of them come back? I think Murphy's the one that you'd like to see come back. But again, I think his stock will have risen from what he's done at Sheffield Wednesday because he went to West Brom last season and I don't think he, he hit the heights. I think his confidence was knocked. I think he's very much a confidence player. I think we saw that, the goals he'd scored and, and the fact I think he felt settled at Wednesday. I don't know whether you saw you know, the pictures of him with his, his Sheffield Wednesday carrier bag and all of the players having signed his shirt. So I think he felt settled and he, he enjoyed it, which is maybe going to work in our favour if we could, you know, get him back. You, you know, if players are happy, then that that's half half the battle, you know. But um, the other ones, I didn't see enough consistently. I think Josh Windass, I thought he did all right and he scored a few goals. Um, the weird thing about Josh Windass was we had him on trial for the uh, under-23s before he went on to play for, for Fleetwood and Rangers and then Wigan. So it's kind of weird. He, if he'd come through our setup as a, a development player, uh, we would have all been quite happy. But I don't know. It depends. You know, it maybe he'll be a bit cheaper because of you know Wigan's problems. So if the, if the price is right, he might be a decent squad player. But I'm not sure he's an out and out attacker. I think he's a, an attacking midfielder. So I still think we've got to look out there. I mean, someone like, like Lyle Taylor maybe. At Charlton would be somebody I'd be looking if we could try and get him in, you know, because you, you've got to shop, I suppose, accordingly. Again, what we don't know about is is whether, you know, people talk about points deduction and whatever else. So, you know, we could get a transfer embargo. You know, what would that mean? We'd only have Jordan Rhodes on our books <laughs> as a, you know, centre forward. Yeah. And you, you've already mentioned you, you don't really have – you don't have any more insight to to what punishments could be levied than than we do. Um, no, no, but but I am curious. I am curious. Maybe your thoughts on the process or what you think may happen. And I want I want it to be clear to listeners. This isn't you know Rob with inside information. This is we're just curious what you have to say and what you think. I honestly, you know, don't know. I think it's it's a really challenging position, and I think there's, you know, we were talking about this the other day. And, and it's such a shame that you've got that league table that should be the final league table, apart from the playoff issues that need settling. You know, it should be the bottom three sides, you know, based on what happens on the pitch, you know. So, realistically, Wigan shouldn't be going down. Um, whatever has happened there, it seems, you know, looking in, like something very strange has happened. And I, I feel sorry for the, the players, the management, and, uh, you know, the fans of that club, because they've played great on the football pitch in, in recent times and they deserve to survive. You know, Wednesdays again, you know, I, I don't know what's happened, but, you know, Wednesday seem confident, certainly from the, the statements that we released as a football club. You know, the, the club have, you know, been very, you know, 
determined to fight, you know, whatever charges were levied, which remember were levied back in November. And still here we are not knowing whether there's been a conclusion to that independent panel's findings, you know, because there's other things that uh, obviously weigh up because, you know, there's, there's the appeal process, because if one party doesn't like the outcome, they're going to challenge it. So, you know, it's, it's rumbling on because, you know, it's, it's a really hard one to settle. I mean, I really don't know how it's going to go. I mean, what I would say, and I know other observers have sort of said this, you know, the EFL has got a lot to answer for. You look up and down the leagues and, you know, they've had the Berry situation. You know, Charlton's been messy this season. Other clubs have been docked points for various things. And, you know, do they just need to draw up a, a new set of rules and make it a bit clearer? Because it seems like there's too many loopholes. Uh, and that just means that we're we're speculating on what's going to happen. Yeah, and I saw today as well. Sorry, sorry, sorry It's frustrating because there was usually the last day of the season is supposed to be a cause for celebration, and there was nothing satisfying. Despite mm-hmm. the outcome of our game, there was just nothing satisfying watching the table yesterday because you just knew there was so much limbo. And now, especially with you know, as you said, it's the last week in July, and we, in theory, are just going to try to run out the the lawyers are just try to run out the clock on appeals. And um, so I, I don't that you it's doubtful anything's going to happen this year, um, or to the current table. That's why I don't see us going to League One. But um, yeah, it was just an unsatisfying end of the year, I think, for everybody. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, on top of this, we've had. You know, the fact that we, we've not been able to have the supporters in the stadium, you know, it's really weird doing games, you know, in an empty stadium. So so that, you know, makes it you know strange for me. It's like, I don't know, you know, like when you watch park football, you know, unless you're playing the game, you know, like you, you're on the field yourself. I've never enjoyed watching sort of lower league football, you know, non-league football or, or amateur football. I, I like to either be playing it or or in a stadium sharing the, the highs and the lows. And, and it just wasn't there. And, and it's really, really weird. And, uh, you know, I hope the fans can get back in, you know, from October. That's what they've indicated, you know, the, the sooner the better for me. Did you get a vibe from the players, what it was like being in the empty stadiums? I don't think it affects players as much as probably supporters, you know, um, watching at home and what have you. I think the players, they're focused on what they're, what they're doing and, I, I don't think it probably affects them as much as, as maybe it does to the onlookers. Like I say, it's like when you're playing the game, I guess you, you're a bit more wrapped up in it. But, I mean, there will be an adrenaline factor. I think the best example I can think of was when we scored against Forrest to get the equaliser, and then the whistle blew about a minute or so afterwards. And it just seemed weird. It was kind of like, oh, right, that's it. You know, there wasn't normally when you go into added on time, you, you know, the crowd will, you know, give it, uh, one last roar to try and urge the team on to maybe get an equaliser or a winner, you know, when, the, you know, things are tight, but that's not there. So, you know, that, that there, there are moments in the game that I imagine are a bit strange for, for players. Um, but I, I don't know. I think they've, they try their best to focus on it, but I, don't, I really honestly don't know, you know, how they, how they all felt. I mean, everyone's different. I mean, there are some players that, you know, when, when they're trained, that they're not great trainers, you know, you can watch, you know, centre forward and uh, on the training ground, he might be slicing him wide and not very interested. But come match day, when he's got a big crowd in front of him, you know, he, he feeds off that adrenaline. And and I think that's that's what's missing. And I think some players will have will have uh, certainly missed it. There are other players that I suppose perhaps feared playing in front of big crowds, so maybe they actually could relax a little bit. 
so but let's let's end this on a on a high note okay yeah. uh we haven't had you on i think for for two years two seasons maybe something along those lines um yeah. let's let's go positive here how about a couple a couple highlights from a broadcaster's perspective uh if anything any particular moments or calls uh stand out to you within the, the last two seasons or so i know what it's really hard not to be negative on this podcast and, and just about the club in general sometimes. Um, but I, I'd love to hear some, some high points from, from a broadcaster's perspective. Well, you put me on the spot. Yeah, I'm going to have to try and think of them now. Um, the positives. I think we, we've had a few last minute um, winners and, and Atty Newey is featured in, in a few of those. And, you know, it's, you know, I think Rotherham in, in the cup game this season was, was one that, you know, you, you kind of think back to, I don't think we played particularly well, but we, we managed to, to do it and they were giving us plenty. Because you can, when you go to grounds like Rotherham as well, and I think the Wednesday fans were quite close to the Rotherham fans, you could hear all sorts of stick uh, and banter flying around. And um, yeah, I think that one was, was pretty special. Um, obviously, there's a bit of rivalry, as you know, between Wednesday and Rotherham. Um, uh, other highlights? I, I think, well... You know, obviously, when I said earlier, like when Steve Bruce came in, I, I just got this this vibe. I was there at the press conference when he he was appointed, and you know, when he walked in the room, it it kind of you know made me think back to the big wrong times. You know, there are certain people that have uh, a charisma um, and an aura that that makes you think. You know, the gaffers here, and there's not many managers, not many people. I don't think even in football now, where you talk about pecking orders and how you motivate a player. And I think it's very hard because obviously money comes into it and, you know, the players are very well rewarded and what have you. But I think certain managers, you know, they can say, well, have you seen my CV? You know, have you seen what I want? And I think that's that was, you know, uh, for me, it was just a, a moment where I thought, yeah, Wednesday are, are going to come back. And uh, and we ended that season very well. I mean, we went into that Leeds game. That was another, you know, the Leeds fixtures we, we've had, I think, Obviously, we lost at Leeds, and, and there was I was away for the Aston Villa game at uh, home. If you remember, I think that was when we eventually ran out of steam when we were, you know, going for potentially nicking into the the playoffs last season. I will never uh, uh, forget that Stephen Fletcher penalty. <laughs> oh, unreal! Wasn't it? I was listening. I was on a bus actually. I, I, I was away on holiday. I booked a holiday, so I was actually tuning in, and I was sat on a bus going to the beach somewhere. And uh, yeah, that that was that was a real sickener. Um, and then as they went to Leeds and uh, it was quite a tight game, they they eventually, uh, I think, managed to win. Was it 1-0, I think, in the end? But, um, yeah, I think I think probably the way we, we gave a bit of a surge for that second half of the season because, you know, you think back to it, kind of the season in reverse, wasn't it? You know, up to the December time, we, we'd been pretty uh, poor and not delivered at all. And then, obviously, Lee Bullen took over, had a great run of results, you know, as caretaker manager. And, you know, he carried that on into the January um, so that that spell and the way we turned that around, I, I'd say that 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 was the, the highlight. You know, Jordan Rhodes. You know, thinking I'm thinking on the spot here. You, you know, put me on the spot with the question. Jordan Rhodes hat trick at the City Ground this season would be another another game that you you pick out and thought. You know, this is the Jordan Rhodes I remember that. You know, Kane Hillswood scored four goals against us in a four four draw. Yeah. Yeah, definitely some memorable moments. Um, uh, I'm happy to have the opportunity to say this to you, though, and I think I can say this on behalf of Owls Americas and and uh, anyone else that uses iFollow exclusively for for the coverage. Thank you uh, very much for for your coverage, for your positivity, for the shout outs. Um, 
and just bringing that to us because that's really all we have at this point. And uh, it means a lot to us to, uh, to have that coverage. So thank you. No, it's a pleasure. And regarding the shout outs as well, it's, it's something that, you know, I think it's, it's nice to do. It's a, a way of connecting, particularly when we've had, you know, the scenario that we've had, you know, we've had new listeners coming in as well in the UK who've, who've tuned in and maybe wouldn't have normally been watching and, and listening. And, you know, I think it's a good way of connecting fans all over the world. And you hear where the messages come from. And it's incredible the support that Sheffield Wednesday gets. You know, we're always amazed at, you know, the, the places that people are listening in from. So, uh, you know, thanks for that. Because I know some people don't like it. They think it interrupts it. And that's why we try and do it when there's a break in play or at half time. But I, I think it's, a, you know, it's a good bit of interaction, interactive, uh, you know, uh, response that we can give. And uh, hopefully let you know that we're, we're reading your messages and trying to observe what you're saying as well as trying to keep an eye out on the game. <laughs> Very modest, but he is the voice of Sheffield Wednesday for so many of us. Rob O'Neill, thanks for coming on. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Welcome back. Since this is episode 101 of the podcast, we thought we would ask you, the listener, and us, the hosts, what you would banish for good about Sheffield Wednesday, i.e. put in Room 101, which I'm aware is some sort of British TV show. I actually do know this because I was on a Scottish Mets podcast like seven years ago, and there was a question along these lines, so I actually did have to look up what it was. So, Patty, do you have the... Uh, Answers from several. the social. Yeah. I feel like this is probably the most popular question we've had because basically it's an invitation to moan, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the grumble part of Fraser Grumble. Yeah, yeah. So we ask people to banish obviously one thing out of Sheffield Wednesday history, or it could be a player, it could be anything they want to banish to a Sheffield Wednesday for good. And I think the very first one we've got is from Montague Dangerous. It's a David Bates. So uh, <laughs> are you taken care of? <laughs> yeah, taken care of. Tick. Um. Uh, Sir Andy Green in Colorado uh, wants to banish preseason optimism. Mm. I think he's been miserable for the entire yeah. year. Uh, I like this one from Steve. So Steve Clay sent a few in, uh, uh, mainly just players he didn't like. Uh, <laughs> but the, the the good one I, I thought I really liked from Steve Clay was uh, any future comparison of any striker to as he knew you. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Wednesday week, just want to ban the whole of last season, 2019-2020. Uh, what else we got in here? Uh, so a few. Uh, I like Paul Allender, Paulie Paul on uh, Twitter. She wants to ban racist fans. I think that we're all a bit behind that. Uh, Andy McElwain uh, wants to ban the word massive. Well, I think it's almost become like funny at this point how much it gets just dropped into everyone's debut interview or whatever. It's come like a bit of a meme. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay with it too. Uh, Shout out to Patrick Barnes for the picture of the cake ball. Yeah. <laughs> All fans of the cake ball. Um, <laughs> I think that has to stay, though. That's, that's, that's the monumental moment in Sheffield yeah. Wednesday's history. Uh, someone called uh, at Manhattan Howell has got involved with the podcast for the first time. Uh, the current strategic plan he wants to put in the bin. Oh. I mean, Do we know what that is? <laughs> yeah, apparently he, he keeps lamenting it on the podcast they haven't mm. got one. Um, okay. Negativity, just general negativity. Um, so wait, wait, we have hope and negativity going on. Yeah, yeah, you can't have either. Soccer, come on. Uh, a few people said the band, which is always a talking point <laughs> on Sheffield Wednesdays. All right, that's, that's Twitter. I think pretty much uh, covered. Let's have a look at um, 
Instagram. While I'm doing that, any any points from you guys you want to throw in the bin? I'm I'm surprised people took the high road and stayed away from FFP and the EFL and you know those, those points. Surprisingly, not. We had only a couple to ban the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That Crystal Palace game. <laughs> uh, oh, I, <laughs> I did speak too soon. And one of the things I said early on, uh, uh, Gary Monk wants mm-hmm. to ban forever. Uh, that came from Earth14 on Instagram. SWFC Lucas says last minute screw ups. Um, someone randomly says Gary Medine. Why would you want to delete Gary Medine from the Wednesday history? I'm surprised there's not more past manager. Yeah. Irvine. I'm going to call out uh, Jeff Hatcher, English Geoff, on the. <laughs> on Instagram because he's been banging on about the bloody logo for the last two weeks. He's not a fan of the new badge. He says uh, he wants the current badge uh, ditched and the old I, one returned. I mean, I prefer the old badge, if I'm honest. When you say old badge, you mean the last badge? I mean, I prefer the last badge, but I really prefer the old badge, which is the like, minimalist one. The one you have tattooed on your body, Patty. That's the last badge. That's the old badge. We're actually wearing the old badge right now. Oh, okay. okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our friend and Fulham NYC Sam Swan said Drake's logo which should have again put into the whole kind of thing so yeah so thanks for your, I mean by far the uh, biggest response to any question we've asked on social media uh, <laughs> oh another um, uh, Manhattan Hell one it got in touch on Instagram too <laughs> this is the most he's been engaged James, in podcast James just come so on the show <laughs> he, he wants to he wants to banish the West End clearly got hmm. some redevelopment there thanks guys for your um, tweets they're all really funny some really serious ones too. James is always very much interested in like very serious like real estate development structure, yeah, structural <laughs> things. So, as promised, Mike Laroon has gone back and listened to an old show for which is passing understanding. Our, we encourage everybody else to go back and listen to the archives. They're wonderful. Yeah, you have nothing else to do for the next six weeks, so. Yeah. Now you're going to watch the Champions League. Why would you do that? Listen to old episodes of the Owls Americast. But Mike, enlighten us. I don't remember what questions I asked for. Yeah, no, this is fantastic. It's, it's, it was it was the three of us were on for the uh, the preseason special. So, Patty, Mike, and Jeff, where will Wednesday finish this campaign? Patty. I know I said sixth. So, you want us to guess what we guessed at the beginning of the season? No, guess where we finish now. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even remember. <laughs> I have a better. I, like, I know where I guessed for. Where did you August. say we were going to finish? I think um, I said eighth. Okay. Uh, Patty was ninth. I was tenth. Jeff, sixth. No, nope, you had fifth. Well, I was very optimistic. Apparently, yeah. all wrong. <laughs> all right. We each picked our automatic promotion winners and our playoff winners. So, Patty, who'd you got? I went with Fulham and Brentford, maybe? In playoffs? Uh, oh, maybe I went with Fulham and Leeds to go up automatically and Brentford to go in the playoffs. Patty, you had Stoke going up automatically. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did, too. Oh, you had Fulham, Stoke, and West Brom through the playoffs. Oh, I geez. went with West Brom through the playoffs, Fulham, and then my dark horse for the playoffs was... Um, forest 
Yeah. The closer Almost. we were. <laughs> Poor Carl. Oh, that was gutting, wasn't it? That last game of the season, uh, five point five goal difference turnaround and three points. I think I went, let's say I went uh, West Brom and Fulham automatically Derby through the playoffs. Now you had Wednesday through the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> I was very optimistic. Fulham and Derby automatically. Yeah. All right, relegation. For some reason, I always think Derby is going to go up, and they never do. Yeah. So Learn from that next year. Yeah, probably as won't stand, remember this at all. <laughs> so, so as it stands, can folks remind me who actually is relegated right now? Oh, Wigan, Wigan Hull. Lute. No, not Luton. Wigan Hull. Charlton. Yeah. Charlton. All right. Patty, who'd you guess? I would have probably gone for Barnsley, Luton, and Charlton. You had Barnsley, Luton, and Reading. Mm. Uh, yeah. they weren't they weren't great. Yeah, I had Wigan on a points deduction. Just kidding. No way. <laughs> I, I had Wigan, Charlton, and I actually had Birmingham. Yeah, not bad. They pick. were very close to going down. Yeah. And Jeff, I'm gonna guess I went Barnsley, Charlton, and I always pick Millwall. Yep. So you had Millwall, Barnsley, and. <laughs> <laughs> your, your outlier on that one yeah Millwall and Barnsley your your outlier was Blackburn yeah yeah, yeah. alright two more uh, leading scorer for the team for our team for Sheffield yeah, Wednesday yes Wednesday. yeah probably Fletcher I assume you might have picked Jordan Rhodes <laughs> how drunk was I you had Jordan Rhodes with 19 <laughs> <laughs> Really very drunk. Yeah. You were 19 goals drunk. <laughs> so 19 goals. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I had Fletcher. And, oh, I bet uh, I, I pick Lucas Joao. No. <laughs> no. That's the thing I would do. Adam Reach. Oh, okay. That yeah. was terrible, but yeah. Okay. You, and I both, you and I both went with low totals, 11 and 13 points. Yeah. Okay, and then the last one I don't quite understand, but it was this weird question. At what, what was the over-under date on this team <laughs> called Newcastle parting with their manager? Uh, I remember I like looked at the schedule. I think it was like a man. Oh, game you or overly re- this, we, we commented this was the most research you've yeah, ever done. You still wanted remains. to know when the international break was. Oh, wait, yeah, just, yeah, I did, yeah, I wanted the extra. Yeah, this sounds vaguely familiar. Wait, wait, uh, wait, just clarify. We bet when Bruce would be sacked. Yes. The over- yeah, the date. The date that Bruce okay. would be sacked by Newcastle. We were very bitter at this point. Very, very bitter. <laughs> not, not the day that they would um, clinch. Sa- yeah. Uh, go ahead, Patty. You're first. So. I said Christmas probably. Patty, you had uh, Halloween, October thirty-first. <laughs> I had January thirty-first because I thought it would be the FA uh, FA Cup break. And Jeff, you had November 11th. Yeah, I was going to say like November 15th. I looked up whatever the Man U game was, I think. Did anyone predict that they get bought by the Saudis and then they're getting sacked this, <laughs> this season? <laughs> Something, uh, about a virus. Something about a virus delaying the season two months. Yeah. <laughs> came up. Oh, we were so young and innocent back then. Yeah, a good time has been had by all over this <laughs> year of Owls AmeriCast podcast. And I believe that was probably a year ago to this day. <laughs> yeah, almost. You've been listening to episode 101 of the Owls AmeriCast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up at fwfc.uk. 
Sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com. And find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesday nights Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter at Mike Lurie and at Cascadia Owls. Mike, when will Steve Bruce get sacked in the 2020-2021 season? He is not making it past December. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, how many goals will Jordan Rhodes score for Wednesday next year? <laughs> I feel like I'll be doing another quiz in a year's time asking you guys how many goals Jordan Rhodes scored so far in his Wednesday career and I reckon it might have shifted by three <laughs> so uh, I'm, three. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostra and we'll be back with a whole host of preseason questions in probably like fucking three weeks Top goal scorer for Wednesday this year, Patty. Ooh, this is a good one. I want, I want to say Jordan Rhodes. Yeah, I really, no, I really want. You do, yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine if Bullen stays on his manager. Uh, Jordan Rhodes is top scorer, and we get promoted. That's that's the dream, right, lads? That's what I want to do. That's what to happen. Um, so, fuck it. I've been pessimistic all, all episode. I'm going to go Jordan Rhodes, top scorer for Wednesday. How many goals? Uh, 19. <laughs>